status, where would you say you're at as far as the transition-wise, just as far as generally getting ready for, to go to the Big 12? Well, a transition, I think that um, we, when the, the day that it was announced that we're in the Big 12, people celebrated like crazy, like we had arrived. My first thing was, oh, no, <laughs> you know, we have so much work to do. I really don't know on a, on a clock if, it were, if we're at 2 o'clock or 11 o'clock. It just seems to me like there's a lot of work to do and a very little time. You, you just, the more you think about and, and you project what you need and what needs to change and what needs to stay the same, there's a lot of strategy involved. You, the day will come when we play our first game and we won't be as, be as ready as we can be. But we just want to be as close to that as possible. What are some of the biggest areas where you think that you have the most to catch up on going into next year? You know, I kind of said this a little bit. I'm, I'm being a coach, former coach and former player, I kind of just look at the matchups. You know, I don't, it sound, might sound silly or you might not understand that, but we, we play in, a co in conferences that are not P5 conferences forever. And I remember when I played here many years ago in late 70s and early 80s, we'd play a lot of really great teams. We'd play P5 teams. They weren't called that at the time. And uh, those, those are where you see the matchups a little bit differently. And so I think it starts the way I look at it. And as I talk to our coaches and our student athletes, that's what it'll be around. I'm already talking with the coaches. I, wanna, I want them to f be focused on what they're doing now, but we have to plan to project. And so there are a lot of conversations that are going on right now with the coaches, a lot of planning. Not, I don't get into the intricacies of the matchups, but that's what I want them to do. And so if you talk about matchups, a lot of it would come down to recruiting. You know, are we going to be able to match up with talent? I think there's some other aspects of matchups would be, like, how are our facilities? Uh, are we going to be able to provide great training opportunities? I think you could look at nutrition and sports science is a new thing. So we're just trying to look at all of the things that will put our student athletes in the best position. It's not like I think we're deficient. We just need to know the areas that we can upscale. The Vegas meetings, um, I think they were pretty general. There weren't a lot of specifics about it. They had some probably pretty typical annual decisions and discussions that had to take place. But the four schools that were coming into the Conference of 23 were invited. So I really don't think that there was anything in that that was, you know, cataclysmic or where we're going to go. We haven't talked about schedules. I think this spring there'll be some meetings where we'll get a little bit more down into the nitty-gritty of how and what we're doing differently. You know, some things still need to be um, determined as for entry times and exit times for some of the schools. And so that's going to get a little tricky closer as we get to those, op those dates. Excluding uh, Oklahoma and Texas, do you have an idea what your overall athletic budget is going to be compared to the, re, the, the new teams coming in and the existing teams in the Big 12? And then also specifically, where do you think would rank football-wise? I, th I think that it's a, it's a really good question. 
we're, tr we're not going to try to jump up and create some budget based on where the rank would be. It gives you kind of an indication of what their budget might be, and you can get it. It's all public information. But it's interesting to look at Oklahoma and Texas, and it's interesting to look at BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, Houston excuse me, where, and then look at the, the members that will be staying. I think all of those numbers are important. I like looking, like right now, if you were to just take football, we're spending a lot of time on football and the, the actual organization of the football program. Uh, coach, coaching changes, that doesn't change, but there's maybe support staff. And you can look at anybody along in any of those groups or teams that I mentioned, and you'll see different titles, but you won't know really what the job description is, and you'll see different numbers. And that's where I'm saying that's kind of the, the strategy is that's kind of a matchup too. Are we going to be able to match Oklahoma or Kansas if you look at Kansas basketball operation, are we, do, are we, do we think we're going to just go right to the top? Where do we go? Well, I'm talking about in terms of uh, structure. And the answer is no. That's where we have to be smart enough and strategic enough to try to get to the point where we feel we're best to start. And then we may overshoot or be way under. But you want to be as close to where you think is right for BYU. And that's what we're doing right now, Patrick. Well, our, our budget will increase. For one, we think that we'll have to step up for support-wise, structure-wise, like I've just mentioned. And then the revenue streams will obviously be bigger. That's not a surprise or a secret. So I think that what we're trying to do is make the best use of the revenue that will be new and the existing revenue. Like I said before, I think that if you're going to just throw money at a number, it might not be as efficient as if you spend money really in this area to strengthen something that we really need help on. And there's some areas that we might not be in the top um, quartile of the Big 12, and there's other where we'll want to be up at the top. And it might not be necessarily comparing ourselves against an individual school. So you're not talking about a matchup school to school in all cases, but in some you will. Yeah, we have uh, consultants that we work with. I'd rather not throw the names out right now because <laughs> then you'll go to them. <laughs> but uh, th we have some really good, strong BYU alums and friends of BYU that um, have expertise in this area. I also have used some of my um, peers and friends in the business that have been through this before. So we're not doing it blindly. We're not doing it on our own, but we're using resources that we feel will benefit us. We can't do it alone. You noted facilities earlier. Uh, are there plans for facility upgrades between now and when the Big 12 starts? No, not before now when it's before it starts. We're two years away. I, you could probably build a building between now and two years, but 
you probably, uh, you probably wouldn't be as good as you'd want. I think right now where we're at with facilities is trying to look at uh, a kind of a master plan and where we could be five or ten years from now. That's how far out you'd have to go in order to build some things that would be right. You're, but you could say, like, nutrition, that's not necessarily a facility where you're building a new facility, but you could be upgrading your existing facilities. So I think there's a range from adjustments and maybe edits to new new structures. You know, as far as non-conference football, whether it's in-state schools or whomever it might be, do you have any priorities that you want to keep the series going? Yeah, I think I think so. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't compare, um, you know, schools in state. That's what you asked, but I'd say yes for the in-state schools. I think that's important. We have a we have a really good tradition of playing the in-state schools, but in the for the at least the initial part of our schedule, we're, we won't be able to in some areas. We're still trying to figure that out early in. We're taking, I'm taking eight or nine teams and removing them from schedules beginning in 23. And we're scheduled out probably 26, 27 fully. And so for those years, we're going to take all out. We're trying to take teams out, not add teams. And so would we want to play Utah and Utah State? Yes. I'm, I'll, I'll comment on those because those are in-state. We have some other teams that we've had rivalries with and have good, good played more than others. Uh, you could look at other schools and like uh, Boise State, the Pac-12. We've had some real good rivalries and we have scheduled games. Those are decisions that still need to be made as to when we can get back and how we will get back. Will it be a consistent every year rivalry where we're playing a rivalry game every year? You've seen that. I'd say the answer would be no. You've seen that change in the past to where it's not every year. But I think I said this, and I can remember. You can go look in your old old columns. But I remember when um, Utah first de determined that they wanted to play a, a, a non-conference game, and it would uh, mean that we wouldn't be able to play a game. And my, I think our fans got a little angry with me that I wasn't so upset about it. But I knew that the time would come that if we got into a Power Five conference, we'd be in the same situation, and we are. And so I, I just knew how difficult it would be for Chris at the time, Chris Hill, to make that change, and that's the situation we're in right now. So I, I, I can comprehend how it was and where it's going. As you, as you look through this and you go through subtracting certain teams from future schedules, what's the criteria you're using in terms of this is one we want to keep. This is one we. How, how do you? Well, I. I, th kind of I mean, it's a really good question, and there's a couple different answers. The criteria would be there. You know, first of all, first and kind of foremost is go to Kalani and say, okay, people have either been very happy or very critical about the schedules from Independence, depending on the year and how it was, or in general. But I would say that now we have an opportunity. We're going to play a conference schedule. And so you're either going to have three or four up games now. So a way more different strategy. 
and they'll come in at the times determined by the conference. So you're probably going to have all those games up front. You know, it depends on – we haven't determined that in the Big 12 yet. So there's a little bit diff- – it's a totally different strategy now. But playing a Big 12 schedule every year, those games will be determined by strength, where you're playing them. And right now it's a little bit different in 23 because you got to get rid of a bunch of them. And so some of the one of the determining factors is the contract and the terms of the contract. Can you literally get rid of the game? In some of them you can't. In some of them you can with a fee, and others you can without a fee. And so depending on the year and when the what the contract says, those are all factors. I mean, I think that's way too deep, but that that kind of gives you a picture of people are going to go, why didn't you just take this one out? This would have been better. But there's three or four factors for each one of those years. What's your preference for a number of conference games, eight or nine? You know, it's not my preference. It's Kalani. He's a coach of the football team, and I, I really think it comes down to that. Um, we are studying. You know, when you're talking about that, you get you want more games for the conference, which can, can have an effect on the revenue of your TV budget, or do you want more non-conference games, which does allow you to have you know, rivalry games, and you know, those are other revenue streams. You know, like I, hate, I hate saying, talking about revenue all the time, but it's gonna come into play in some of these decisions. It won't be the primary factor, but if we don't think about those things, and even if determining what BYU thinks, we're now in a conference. You know, we're, we're one of a number of members that will make that determination based on the you know, total majority of the people in that conference at what they want to do. How would you describe your relationship with uh, Bob Bowlesby so far? Oh, very good. I, I've known, known Bob for a long time, and I remember I was at Stanford, went down to see him one time, and that was probably the first time that we really were able to communicate and converse about college athletics and specific items that 80s worked through. And then I was able to see him in um, some official capacities when he was the commissioner of the Big 12 and I was involved in other associations or committees and such. So I've known him for a while and it's just been really a smooth transition to chat with him now being in his conference. Does the Pac-12 have in Notre Dame essentially have the 13th team in October and November with the Stanford SC thing? You guys have slid in there a few times as recently as last year, depending on which team. Uh, do you know if the Big 12 would allow you to do that, or would it be you got to do it, non-conference got to be early? We don't know that. Um, that's a decision that the conference would have to make, not necessarily Bob Bowlesby. I've communicated with Bob about it, and it's one of the equa- one of the things that will go into the determination of how we do those schedules because there are times where we'll slip those uh, teams in. And it's, it's been a be- great benefit as an independent. It's not as essential as being a member in a conference. Right. Do you know where the Big 12 stands on playoff expansion? Um, well, other, not other than what I've read from Bob, I think it's his personal opinion as um, one of the people in, on the board of the CFP. And he said he's – I, I haven't talked to him because I've read it in the paper that he's saying he likes it. Expansion. Mm-hmm.
I like the expansion. I mean, right now, I'm kind of being a realist that with the delay in the expansion, as it's kind of been put on the back burner, there may have to be some tweaks, but I still think that it, it should go beyond where it is right now. I'd probably be willing to accept some other things that if it weren't 12. But there's, I have always felt all along that when they said 12, they didn't come around with how it was going to be with the bowls. And, and that, that was just a, a preliminary, hey, we're looking at this, and there was a lot of work to do, but now it seems to have been, like I said, it's stopped. It's paused. And I think right now when you see how they work with the bowls and how you do those playoff games and how you work in home games, I think it just hasn't been discussed enough. So I'm not really totally disappointed that it's on the back burner, I think that it will come back with a clear, more clear model of how it should be. And how it'll be, I think it'll be more palatable for you know, all the participants, which that's what it comes down to. If you're in the CFP, you wanna feel good about it, you're gonna get all everybody on board with the same thing, no way. But I think it'll be more palatable. Right now, there's just too many people that have varying different opinions. Since Tom, I know you've uh yeah, I think that's we're looking at more kind of more hospitality and amenity areas. There's some things that we hope to do. We don't really have immediate expansion plans. We as long as I'm the AD, we're not putting um, seats in the corners. I think it's silly to put seats in the worst part. That, those would be the last seats to be bought. Um, I think that really right now, the supply and demand is going to be about right. Where, But we need to, like, it's, it's interesting how I used to have these great conversations with Glenn Tuckett, our former athletic director, and he would kid me and you know jostle me about when I was the athletic director. We had one sign, one sponsor in the stadium is KSL, one sponsor, and now it looks like a NASCAR. <laughs> and I'm like, Glenn, it's super expensive to run an athletic department, not like it was when you were running it. I guess, like right now, you can't just have a game. You know, the fans expect entertainment and experiences. Everybody is, is part of it, and so do I. And so when I go to a pro game or another college game, I'm impressed by the experience. So that's what we've been trying to do is, is do that. So I think we'd probably use our finances and resources more focused in the overall experience for the fans. We've done some things outside the stadium in recent years, and now – We'll, we'll focus on some of the things that we can do that, I'm not going to say quick fixes, but things that we could do immediately that would be beneficial to our fans. Since the decision was made um, to join the Big 12, how have you seen the, each individual program on campus and in the athletic department as a whole, how have you seen this rejuvenate everybody? I don't really think it has. I, I honestly don't think that. They don't talk about it very much, the student athletes. The coaches aren't like giddy. The coaches are serious about it, but I'm just really excited and proud that our coaches and players are focused on the here and the now. 
And like I told them that the way we're going to get in to the Big 12 is to be really good at what we do. And there were times in the last number of years where we weren't great. I think this, but prior to getting in, we started making a real turn towards excellence. Every one of our programs, I think, started to focus more. And I think recruiting was better and development was better and our performance was better. We really have top-notch kids and coaches right now. And it, can it get better? Yeah. But I, I think their focus right now on what we're doing in the West Coast Conference or you know, some of our teams are independent or in other conferences that are not, like Mountain Pacific, Mountain Rim for gymnastics. And um, I, I think there's probably um, a little bit of a peripheral feel or effect, but I, don't, I can't think that all of a sudden people are saying, we're going into the Big 12, we're going to be better right now. I, I don't see it. I just think that they're, they're really um, – they're mature kids that want success. They want to meet their goals, and they're getting after it better now. I think the coaches are more focused, not because of the Big 12, but they're at that point in the development of their teams that they're just better. Have your coaches mentioned to you a difference in perception from recruits since that? Yeah, there's no question the recruiting is totally different. I, I want to separate those. I think our recruits understand that. We, we, I don't think there's any question that we lost recruits in the past because we weren't a member of a uh, Power Five conference. And some of those recruits had offers to play in a P5 conference. And now that can't be the argument. Now you could say they, they you know, will have to compete as a Big 12 to be a strong conference. You can see right now that there's levels of difference in the Power Five conferences. And that's something that we're now going to be part of is, is competing as a conference, as the Big 12, to accentuate the strength of that conference. Just based on observation and talking to some coaches, this is kind of an odd question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, I got the impression that there's been a little bit of um, maybe leniency on winning standards and some other things on the wise. Could you address that? Um, I don't know specifically what you would be addressing, but I think it's a good question. I don't think it has anything to do with, like, the Big 12 or anything specific to athletics. I think it has – If and, and I'm, I'll address one thing in particular. I might get in trouble here, John, so pull me off if, I, if, I'm, if I'm out on a limb. But, like, I'm just going to say, like, there's the honor code and the dress and grooming standards. And I think that – there's, you know, as the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints grows and is in every land, that you're going to find a lot of cultures that have hairdos and other things that are different, hairstyles, I should say, and other things that are quite different than the BYU Dress and Grooming Standard. And I think that if, if have we been a little bit more lenient in that area? The answer is yes, I think so. I don't think that has to do with athletics. No. Uh, but I do think that You'll see it with athletics before you'll see it on campus. Right. But if you walk through our campus, you'll see some of the things that you might see different in athletics that you go, wait, is that, can they do that? Where it's happening on campus. But you'll see it, and it might have started in athletics.
Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly. That came out a couple hours ago. Uh, I did see it, but we're still learning about that. But I I can come back to you as soon as we figure out and learn how that goes. I'm a little bit not as prepared for that question today. Um, You mentioned mentioned nutrition a couple times. Support staff's been a big thing in college football. You're seeing a program like Florida get 20, 30 people on their staffs. What's that going to look like for Kalani staff moving forward with this new unprecedented deal? I'm glad you use that word. People question it all the time. I think it's unprecedented. We're going to have a larger staff. And when you say unprecedented, I knew that that contract was leading. We, uh, we did that contract prior to the Big 12. I mean, we didn't do it, but we had begun talks. So we knew where we were going. But we also knew that, and this is we, I'm saying Kalani and I, that to go into the Big 12 and to reach the goals that he and I have set for each other, we hold each other accountable. And I feel that there's going to be growth. But that's one of the things that you, the question about the budget came up is I'm not throwing money at titles and numbers that other schools have. We have to do it the BYU way. It's really funny because for I've been here two, two decades, basically. And it's, a lot of our coaches will say, we have to do it the BYU way. We have to do it the BYU way. And then on other occasions, they'll say, well, Notre Dame does it this way, or Texas does it this way. We should do it that way. And so I always have to say, You're out, you were right in the first place. We have to do it the, other, the BYU way. But we're always looking at our competition to see how we can have a competitive advantage. A lot of colleges, schools out there have competitive advantages over other, their competition because they've come up with a way that's creative or they do it differently or they do the same thing in a way that someone else hasn't. And we have to be able to look at every single measure and make sure that we're doing it right for us. And I'm not going to give you an example because it's proprietary. Knowing that uh, you had those talks before the Big 12 with Kalani, uh, did you have any concern at all when he's reportedly having those talks with Oregon and other programs around the West Coast? Well, sure. I mean, we have a really good relationship, but I respect him more than anything. And I understand what's going on. We were in great conversations. So all through that, we were in contact. But, you know, until that contract was... Um, agreed upon and signed, anything could have happened. How much have you talked to Kalani just about his experience at Utah and making that jump to a power five? A lot. You know, I think he, he was able to go through it and then experience it. And then he came back and saw it from a different light. And it's very different. He doesn't complain about from the time he's been here and say, hey, here's how we did it at Utah. He's one of the ones that says, we have to do it this way. We have to do it the BYU. He's one of our coaches that might be the most um, you know, outspoken about that internally. And he gets it because he's seen, he's been to other schools, and he's seen the difference from BYU and other schools. But his experience at Utah in a P5 conference is very helpful. Still trying to figure out how that's going to impact competitive advantage. 
what's your assessment as we're what, you know, six months into NIL and trying to In general? navigate that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm super comfortable and excited about BYU NIL. We feel that we had a good understanding of what it was, what it should be, the BYU way. We could do some of these things that are like a little bit out of balance outside of, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but we, we're not going to do that. It doesn't, it's not the way, it wouldn't fit us. I don't think our fans, some of our fans would think it would be great, but most of our fans would go, nah, that's not the way we're going to do it. But I think that the deals, and we don't set those deals up. We have to monitor them to make sure that they're compliant with NCAA rules. We want to keep our players eligible. But we feel like as we monitor them that these are very good. This is what NIL is about. The, the, one of the things I really like is we have a, a number of um, our student-athletes who have NIL deals that you all don't know about. And they're good. They're happy. They like it. They have this opportunity that they didn't have. And they're not, trying, they're not thinking, oh, woe is me. I don't have a you know, six-figure deal. They feel that th the deals they have fit them. And then, you know, you've seen the Built Bar deal, and you've seen the Smarty Streets deal. Those are awesome. Those were deals of people that it didn't go like that. It went like that. And everybody went, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't see it that way. I didn't see it that way. It wasn't my deal. It was individual people in our community. He came out and said, hey. And what they did is they talked to our coaches and said, what do you guys need? What are you, what are you looking for? They asked the same question. What, what does this mean? So when, when Bilt Bar um, asked, was talking to Klein, they're friends. And um, when they started talking, and Klein said, I don't really like the fact, I don't want to see one or two players on our team making extraordinarily amounts of money, and, and no one else on our team does. And when Bilt Bar came out and said, we're going across the board, Kalani went, that's beautiful. I love it. Let's do it. Now, it wasn't Kalani's deal, but we all said, there it goes. It came from Bilt Bar to us. And there were some, I, I think I've said this before publicly, but there were times when, when we were working with Bilt Bar where they would ask, we want to do this. We said, no, 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 you can't do that. Okay, they come back. We want to do this. No, 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 no. So we went back and forth a number of times before it was settled on that's how it was going to work. Tom, I think in relation to that, a few months ago, there was this report that BYU and Miami were under investigation, I think, for NIL deals. Is there anything to that? Is that true? Were you investigated and is it still going? I mean, the, the question, and I'm aware of it, good question, fair question. I don't think that the word investigation is right. I think what I'll say what happened. The NCAA called us up and asked us, can you talk to us about these deals? And they asked us a number of questions. And we gave them the answers. And we feel like right now at this point in time that we're in a good spot. And so I think I've, we've been <laughs> under investigation at BYU in the past for NCAA violations. It doesn't feel anything like those investigations. But we're more than happy to chat with anybody with the NCAA or other schools about what we're doing in NIL because I think it's important to be able to share those ideas and the principles. I've spoken to dozens of coaches and ADs about what we're doing at BYU. And 
I've, and in those conversations, I'm asking them how they did it. And when I say they, <laughs> it's, it's not them. It's how their community, their sponsors, their uh, companies, they might not be their sponsors, are doing the NIDLs with their individuals. They have to be able to monitor them for compliance. But there, there's a lot of shenanigans going on right now. Everybody, everybody knows it. So how it continues, that was part of, I guess, the question. I don't, I don't know. There'll have to be some type of, um, you'd think there'd be some type of standardization, but it's, it's a law. <laughs> it's a, you can do it, it's a law. It seems like the NCA is gonna get out of the position of policing I think they're already out. Yeah, okay. And leaving it to conferences. Mm. Uh, so I thought you meant with NIL. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You meant just overall. You talked about being under investigation. Right. Uh, I mean, going forward, this is a general question, so, you know, I can't give you specifics, but how do you think it's just going to work in college athletics? Because it's not exactly the, the cleanest business model as it is. Yeah, I think that... Um, if, as you see, the Constitutional Convention that happened last week split the division. So now there's a Division One, Division Two, and Division Three under, th and they'll have three different constitutions. That that's going to open up for changes to the enforcement of the NCAA rules. And so right now, this is the biggest question of the day: is what happens with enforcement? Does it change? Some people are speculating that it would go to the conferences. And if it does, that's a totally new model. I, you could ask me, how do you feel about it? You know, I, I'd be interested to see what the alternative would be if the NCAA can reorganize, because right now there's just so much, there's so, la so much lack of support for the way it works with right now. And I'm not blaming it on NCAA uh, enforcement or compliance. Um, uh, infractions, uh, co committee on infractions, all of those factors, because it's a two-way street. It's t schools and the NCAA committees working out issues, and, and the membership really doesn't trust the process, and I don't think it's just so rusty, and the process is not really accurate, it's not believable, and everybody has problems with it, so it has to change. And I've been in conversations with people in the NCAA in enforcement and in front of the uh, Office of Infractions and Committee on Infractions, and they want to change. So will it, will they, will we, I shouldn't say they, because it's the NCAA is the membership, will we be able to come up with a, a division that can enforce the rules? Or will the decision be, let's do it conference-wise, or outsource it? That there's been talk about a third party or some other. I don't know. The FBI. Yeah, they've tried that. Um, I think that there will be something that we'll all get to in time. I, I really don't know how long it's going to take. Things take a lot of time when you have that many members. But we are, one of the things that's helpful, it is Division One now. So it's a lot more... You have a lot more schools that are in the same likeness than other divisions. And I think that's going to be one thing that helps right off the bat. How do you want to see the, the potential Big 12 divisions divided since you guys are so far west? 
I, you know, I don't really feel that I can jump in on that question right now. Uh, I've heard all the <laughs> I have I've received suggestions through the emails and people that I know, and I've, I've kind of listened and studied, and I have kind of feelings about it, but I want to get together soon, and I've talked to some of the other ADs, but I think right now it would just be pure speculation. I, I really wouldn't want to do that. There's reasons that um, the Big 12 will have for the way they do it, and I want to get into those conversations first before I really comment on that. With non- non-conference scheduling, I remember Chris Hill, when they were transitioning the Pac-12, he kind of had an ABC model where A, A-tier game rivalry or Power 5, B, Group of 5, C, uh, FCS team. Is that maybe a similar model you could incorporate in the non-conference when it goes to a nine-game schedule? Um, you know, that's you could incorporate that model. That's a model. You can look at it and just see the existing teams and how they do it. But I think everybody does it a little bit differently. I think, um, you know, it, it would probably depend on where your program is. Um, if you're, you know, one of the top programs in the country, you can play just about anybody you want. But you probably wouldn't, th- if you were playing three non-conference games, you wouldn't play, nor do they play you know, as you would define it, three A's. But some Power Five teams play three C's. And so I just think that we'll go into it basically with, you have to understand, we have a number of teams on our schedule for a number of years that we're um, already contracted to play. And so that's probably won't change. We're not gonna, you're not going to see any new teams coming in in the next couple of years that aren't already on the schedule as non-conference teams. It's a matter of elimination, not addition. In years to come, we'll be able to possibly add. And so you, I won't have to address this question for you know, a number of years. Nevada was on, you know, the, Nevada announced that, so I'm not breaking the news. Nevada was on the schedule. We just didn't, we hadn't announced it. We've seen how the West Coast Conference has been able to use BYU broadcasting as an asset. It's helped both entities out. How does the Big 12 view BYU TV and BYU broadcasting? I think they're intrigued by what we have. I don't think any other school in the country has it. And uh, there'll be a time in the near future where um, the people from the Big 12, the leadership of the Big 12, will come to BYU and they will um, visit, and one of the stops will be BYU TV, and we'll introduce them to what we have and what the possibilities are, and it'll be something that um, could potentially be a resource. What I say about that is you look at the WCC basketball tournament, and BYU TV and BYU TV sports plays a major role in that tournament. Would that happen in the um, Big 12 with the contracts that they have? Probably not. But you can see that there might be possibilities. So I'm super bullish on BYU TV sports and BYU TV broadcasting. And I would, we've offered it. I can't, I can't offer it. But, um, you know, my you know, um, conversation with Jeff Simpson, who runs BYU um, TV now, is, hey, let's have conversations. See, we'll see what we can do to help. Well, you're already acknowledging programs, particularly football, which is obviously your highest profile, in the last decade has lost recruits probably because of lack of conference affiliation. So going forward, as they're recruiting today, particularly kids in our mission, everyone is going to be recruited to the Big 12. Do you see that ramping up the pressure 
on BYU football in particular to make sure that that doesn't happen nearly as much where LDS kids aren't coming here? Because yeah. of the conference affiliation now, that yeah. excuse is out the window. My answer? Yes. Yeah. I think our, I think our coaches and student-athletes will feel um, an elevated sense of, let's go. Um, it's our job not to be that, not to have them feel pressure. I don't think it shouldn't be pressure, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to adapt everything we do to be ready to go. So if we get into it and we're way out of kilter, then they'll feel pressure. But I think you're right. I don't think there's any question about it. When you play at that level, the higher level that you play at, the more pressure you can feel. Yeah, I think that we had conversations with the Big 12 six years ago when we went down there and made a presentation when they you know, put out the possibility of adding teams. And we had some great discussions. We laid out a lot of information about that. They asked a lot of questions. And so through from that time that that happened and we didn't get in, we just started, we came back. And I think this is a, this is a point where I can say, when we didn't get into the Big 12 the first time, and I've stated this before, but it really gave us a great opportunity to say, hey, we're in a good spot. Be the Big 12 was impressed with us, and I think if they would have added, we would have been added back then. But what we said as a team right back then, leadership team, Kalani was there. He was in the room. And what we stated was, we're in a good spot. We're a strong program. But between now and the time we do have another opportunity to get in, we got to get great in a lot of areas. We got to we got to up our game in a lot of areas, and one of the areas would be socially. And so we we've, we've done a number of things to address it. We still have a lot of work to do in the area of LGBTQ in not not necessarily in athletics, but just communication and the schools and teams that play us and what they think about it. But I feel really strongly that it's a work in progress, and right now. Um, when we, when the Big 12 call came, the work had already been done. And I'm not saying it was ended. I'm just saying we asked the question, what can we do to help you in, in any of these questions? And they said, no, we're, we're ready to go. And there, there, we didn't have to make any correction at that time for that entry into the league. But w there's a lot of areas in all kinds of things that we can get better in. Like since then, we've added a um, associate athletic director of diversity and inclusion. And while we've gone through nationally the race issues that you know plagued our country over the last couple of years, we're we're better at that now. We have a long way to go in those areas. But if you're in intercollegiate athletics, I'm just not other other areas can deal with it how they want. But you better be addressing those. This is college. These are young men and women that are interested, they're passionate about social issues around the country. And so we're on that path. And I think that the Big 12 respects that and appreciates that. As the independence era comes to a close, or starts to wind down rather, what do you feel is going to be maybe the defining legacy of these past 10, 11 years of navigating this? You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. That's for you guys to define legacy. But I, I, I'm super grateful for the West Coast Conference because if without the West Coast Conference, we wouldn't have been able to do this. 
And I'm, I don't think there's any question that being independent and being in the West Coast Conference and for the sports that were in other, we had to go at this and, and kind of pull out all gaps. We had to be able to get better and stronger. And I think being in the West Coast Conference, it allowed us to do that. We competed harder. We, we knew what the – the West Coast Conference, the first day we went in there, we told them, our goal is to get into a P5 conference. They knew that. There was an exit terms in the contract. But from that beginning, we're going to give you everything we have, and we're going to be a great partner. And I will say, I think we can say we've been a great partner for the WCC, and we have the rest of this season and one more full season to be a great partner. And we're not going to stop um, our focus on the West Coast Conference. It's a really, really good conference. I think it's elevated, and it's not because just BYU. I think everybody elevated their game. Gonzaga men's basketball has helped BYU men's basketball get better. And if you look at other sports, if you look across the board, there's teams in almost every sport that are top five or six or top ten teams. And we have got to compete like crazy. It's kind of top-heavy, but it's in, when we got in, and now you can see the top – three or four teams now across the board in all sports are better. It's not just because of BYU, but we've been part of that. And so we're going to fight one more year, and then we'll part as great friends. Is that partnership with the WCC the reason that you guys are waiting until 2023 to go to the Big 12? Was there any chance to get in sooner? No, I don't. I, I just think that it was just the right time. All there's There were a lot of factors. 2023 was the right date for a number of reasons. And... I, it really didn't have anything to do with the, the uh, West Coast Conference. Okay. I think we're out of time. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you very much. Cheers,